Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things that connect us. Whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea, we talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. 20 years ago, almost to the day, a university lecturer came to see me and asked me if I did a technique that I'd not heard of. At first I felt embarrassed, but then, as I thought about it more, I felt a little shocked that I could go through three years of postgraduate specialist training and not have come across this technique. It was as though there was a silence created within the academic world to somehow save people from trying things that the elders disliked. The technique had been tried in the 80s and had failed and senior people had had their fingers burned. I didn't realise this at the time, but a week after seeing this lecturer, two things occurred. The first was that I happened to be in a local university bookshop and a book on this very technique was on the top of a bargain pile reduced from £150 to £50. I bought it and read about the evolution of the technique and the authors of each of these chapters were people that I would come to know and learn a lot from. The second was that a guy from Israel was coming to the UK to do a two-day course on the subject, so I went along to that too. It was an exciting time because very few people were doing this and I soon realised that international travel would be the only way to immerse myself in any productive way. I learned that new ideas had created techniques that could be used that made it possible to do what had failed in the 1980s. It was difficult, complex, and took time to learn. But then, nothing worthwhile is ever easy. I could see that no one around me was particularly interested in taking this time. The thing is that there are other techniques which, because they don't depart too far from orthodoxy, are okayed and even promoted as a new philosophy. The problem with such philosophies is that it's often created around economic success rather than actually doing something which is evidence-based. The customer or clinician has to buy all the things from one store and it's often convenient with very little out-of-office training. A weekend hotel course can get you started with some enticements included along with your certificate of continued professional development. But with the advent of virtual platforms for planning and of course teaching, this is going to get worse. But to be a good theoretician who uses basic concepts to treat the patient well is not so easy to sell. Theory is not exciting. Instead, people love a new bit of kit with a bit of advice to kick things off. This doesn't just happen in medicine. Matthew Side illustrates this very well in his podcast, Sideways, in discussing the Danish football team. Historically, football teams have tended to pay their stars well and multinational companies pay their best well and the worst lose their jobs. This, of course, leads to idolisation of stars, but does a lot less for teamwork. Developing teamwork is not as sexy as creating megastars that help to commercialise a brand, but this is what Richard Moller Nielsen did for the national football team of Denmark. He didn't have the money to pay for a superstar, and so he developed the team based on teamwork, which led to criticism from the fans. In one game, he took what they had as a superstar striker off at a crucial point in the game. It was a game they had to win to progress, and the substitute scored within minutes. It was only then that people started to believe him. He took the national team to win the European Championships in 1992, but even though other managers with less success went into their National Hall of Fame, he was not given this honour until after his death. I doubt that Moller Nielsen did what he did to get into the Hall of Fame, 
He just wanted to do the right thing and showed how, with a low budget, a team can be made better than some of the best individual players in the world. If a superstar finds that their place in the team is fragile, then this has to be a great motivation on one hand, but can be quite revealing if they are too self-motivated in a narcissistic sense. The same thing is happening in my world. The large companies that create systems and philosophies so that we become beholden to one company find it more difficult to sell to some parts of the world. In some parts of India and in South America, patients will not be able to afford the fees associated with some of these systems, and so the operators have to be imaginative. So we are now able to learn from amazing clinics in South Korea, Northern India and Sao Paulo, to name just a few. They'll go back to basics and show how we can create teams that are able to produce cutting-edge results on a low budget. Our patients are wise, and just saying I've got a 3D scanner or 3D printer is not enough. And it reminds me of when I was looking for a venue for a European Congress. By the way, this was something I ended up doing as part of my immersive learning. And the person showing us around had this wonderful new thing called a tablet. Unfortunately, she seemed more concerned about showing me that she had a tablet than actually making practical use of the thing to show me what their business could offer. Technology, of course, has continued to develop in the last 11 years since that meeting. Artificial intelligence, which I've spoken about before, is being used by some companies to collect our treatment data now. This will inform future products. While this can improve situations in the short term, if the company goes down at some point, Operators are left with fending for themselves, and sometimes in financial difficulty as a result. We're just at the stage of seeing this happen, but because it can take a few years, it can be difficult to find one's way back to basics. My foray into learning about this new technique led people to see me at conferences, and they would ask me if I was now doing this for most of my work. I felt uneasy about this and preferred to be known as someone who had an interest in a number of different things. So I resisted becoming a key opinion leader for an individual company. For me, understanding mechanics was essential, and so rather than become the face of a brand, I chose to take the quieter route where I look for the unique solutions for the individual patient. This enables me to be part of a team in delivering outcomes. As I've said, it's not as glossy or sexy, but it means I can serve my smallest viable audience to the best of my ability without the worry of being controlled by a superstar brand.